Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to The Stacks. I am your host, Tracy Thomas. We're going to get started in just a moment, but before we do, I'm telling you about all the things we have going on here. First things first, we are doing our Stacks Tote Giveaway. For anyone who goes to patreon.com slash the Stacks, and contributes any amount, you are entered to win one of our Stacks totes. They're super cute. You can see them on our Instagram at the Stacks pod, or you can see them on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash the Stacks. Patreon allows independent creators such as the Stacks to keep their product going to keep doing what they love doing, to keep making stuff that you enjoy listening to. So if you're in a place where you can contribute, now is an amazing time to do so because you're entered to win one of three totes. And also, if I feel like doing more totes, I just might. So if you're able to contribute, we would really, really appreciate it. That's patreon.com slash the stacks. We have some new members that I want to give some love to who joined the Stacks Pack this week. Sarah Bernards, Hawa Jola, Jessica Gwynn, and Charlotte Zerna. So thank you all so much for contributing and everyone else you have until August 16th to join the fun. Also, I'm going to ask everybody who's listening right now to make sure that you're subscribed to the show wherever you're listening. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. The reviews go a really long way to helping us get the word out about the Stacks. Our most recent review comes from, I'm going to fuck this up, but I'm going to try, Idleotopia. And they say, this is an amazing podcast that will definitely be culpable for adding to your probably already long list of books to read. Prepare to listen to amazing people passionately discuss books. There's a lot of nonfiction books to discuss here, but be prepared for your love of Shakespeare to be reignited. So yeah, that Um, review is amazing because it's all my favorite things, nonfiction and Shakespeare. Um, Thank you so much for that review. And the rest of you, if you haven't done it yet, we would really, really appreciate a review. Okay. That's all the housekeeping. This week, our guest is Jay Connor. Jay is a writer. He is also the creator and co-host of the Extraordinary Negroes podcast. Jay is a super awesome guy. He's lived many lives. And this week, we talk about all the jobs Jay's had. We talk about being a writer, what it's like, who he's inspired by. And then, of course, we talk about all the books Jay loves. So listen to the show, enjoy, and remember everything we talk about this week is in the show notes, including links to that Patreon giveaway, including links to your Audible trial, including every book, every person. So it's all there for you. Click away, enjoy. All right, it's time for my conversation with Jay Connor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Stacks. I am here today with Jay Connor, who is a writer. You may have seen his work in Huffington Post, The Root, or Double XL. He's also the creator and co-host of the Extraordinary Negroes podcast. Hi, Jay. Welcome to the show. What's going on? What's going on? What's We're going on? We're super excited to have you. I also have to give Jay another title before I let him introduce himself. He is the official podfather of The Stacks podcast. And you might be like, what does that mean? Basically, it means that I met Jay one day at a party, and Jay was like, nice to me, and it's like, I have a podcast, and I said, will you help me, because I'm not afraid to ask for help, and he said yes, and then that's what he's been doing, and then I asked him to come on the show, so we're all really lucky that Jay's a nice guy. <laughs> Besides being a nice guy and a writer and a podcaster, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm a father. 
Okay. Um, I have a son by the name of Aiden who is three years old. Oh. Um, I am a son myself, obviously. Okay. Uh, brother, um, you know, I, I just a hyper creative. Um, I do a lot of speaking. I do a lot of panels. I do a lot of community outreach. Just really try to touch the people through my creative platform. So I love that. That's what I try to do. And where are you from? I am from, it's funny that you ask that because every time I answer this question, people look at me crazy. Okay. People that know me because I'm from, I consider like when people ask me that question, I say I'm from Phoenix because that's where I lived at before I was out here. Here being LA. Here being LA. Okay. Because um, I lived in Phoenix since I was 19. Okay. So basically about like 10, 12 years. So. But what about the first 19 years? But before that. Yeah. <laughs> Go was, back. Take it all the way back. I was born in the Bronx in New York. Okay. And then we left there when I was about nine or 10 and then moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. So okay. I consider Tulsa my hometown. And that's where basically I spent my formative years. Okay. So you've lived everywhere. Pretty much. I just progressively worked Move my west. way. Well, uh, to you'll the be west. in Hawaii soon. Uh, something like Japan. that. Tokyo. We're just working all the way back yeah. around. <laughs> you'll be in London and then you'll be back in the Bronx. Just keep moving until I circumnavigate the globe, right? Of all the places you've lived, what's a favorite? What's your favorite? Um, I would say Tulsa. Uh, I'm not particularly fond of heat. Okay. Um, this, this weather outside right now is very hot in LA. Killing me right now. Um, but. Um, Tulsa, you know, that's just where I really just kind of came into my own as a person. Okay. Um, that's where I have a lot of my, my memories and, you know, uh, you know, just really grew up. Are there a lot of black folks in Tulsa? That's funny you mentioned that because. (laughs) Jay's a black folk. Because. Just FYI, if you didn't know, so am I. Yeah. (laughs) By the name of my show, The Extraordinary Negroes, I'm white. Nah, um. What if you were? What show is that? That would be a good show. The white guys talking about The Extraordinary Negro show? That would be pretty interesting. All right. Anyone looking for a podcast idea for <laughs> I would, sale? For sale. <laughs> I wouldn't listen to it, but it'd be probably very interesting. It, yeah. But um, yeah, they have they have a lot of there's a lot of black folks out there, and it's funny because much like Phoenix, you never realize what the entire demographic of a city is until you go there, like to visit. Because when you live there, you're around the people that you hang out with. You're around right. your friends, sure. your family, whatever. When you go there to visit and you're not around them anymore and you're like years removed, you're like, holy shit, where are... Oh, you're saying when you go back. Yeah, visit, when I go back. I see. I was going to say, because like when I go visit a city, I feel like I only see white people because you're like downtown, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. at the hotels or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you're saying once you've lived there and then you go back to yeah. visit. Because okay. when I lived there, I was always around black people because we were always at church. We were always sure. at like playing basketball. Like I was yeah. always around. Now when I go... Because obviously I don't have those same connections with friends right. and stuff anymore. And like I'm like, where the hell where is everybody I? at? So where is your family? They're scattered all over. They're the all country. scattered. My, your mom. My mom lives in Atlanta with my sister. Okay. And my dad lives in Dallas. So when you go home, like to visit family, you're not even going to anywhere that you've lived. I'm not even going. Got home. it. Okay. Yeah. So you're not really going home. You're just going to visit family. I'm going there. You're That's going right. to see them. You're going to see the family. Well, That's you know that happens. Yeah. You've also lived other places in the world. Because you had a career in the past or a job, yeah. career or job, I don't know. Yeah. You were in the military, the U.S. military. Yeah, I've, I've lived a, an amazing life. I'm on like my fourth career I now. know. We've already talked about you being a writer and a podcaster, and now you're in the military and we're only four minutes into recording. And I was a social worker for eight years. Before the military or after? After the military. So go. So you're a student in school. You graduate high school. The next thing you do is military? Yeah, um, then social work. Yeah, then social work. What happened with the military thing was that, like, when I was in high school, I hated school. Okay. I hated school bad. I was out there <laughs> acting like a damn idiot. Um, I was engaged in a lot of activities that I should not have been. Okay, we won't talk about that. That were questionable. Okay. That included potential lawsuits. Okay, and, maybe we should talk about that. And, <laughs> and, and criminal activity. But um, I was just, you know, I wasn't. You're also a kid. It wasn't because I was bad. It was because I was bored. I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There wasn't shit else to do. So long story short, um, I was paranoid that that they weren't going to let me in the military because I had a criminal record. But apparently the last last case I had was dismissed, so it wasn't an issue. Got it. And what year was this? Um, I went in 1999. So you went pre nine eleven. Yeah, I was pre nine eleven. Whoa, so that's different. I feel like most people like that. I are it's provoked by nine eleven. I feel like that's the story that you hear, <clears throat> right? 
Yeah, but at the same time, I have a unique perspective because I witnessed the before and the after. Sure, talk about it. You know what I'm saying? So when I went in, um, I was scared, like scared shitless because I was like, you know, you see the movies and you're sure. like, no, I don't want to get shot up right. or whatever. Right, right, right. So, but I knew that after I got out the military, I did not want to go to school. I was like, I'm not doing college. Okay. Fuck that. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not happening. So I was like, I'm just going to like hang out and, you know, live my life. Right. Do me. And I did that for a year and I was just like working in Walgreens in the photo lab. This is after? After high school. After the high, okay. Before um, the military. Yeah, before the military. So I did that for like a year, making like $8 an hour, just being super lame. Right. I was the guy that was like walking to and from work. Right. People laughing at me. Oh. Like I was just, I was just lame. You, you know what I mean? You were early environmental conscious. You were yes. like, I'm not going to drive, I'm going to walk. Sure. <laughs> it's positive spin on your Sure, life. sure. Yeah. So after a year of being just lame and seeing my friends like off in Scott College and getting careers, and I'm like, I got to do something. Okay. But my biggest thing is, like I said, I hated school. So I was like, I got to find a way to skip the line. Right. So how can I skip them but not do the college thing? So right. then my mom started talking about like, well, maybe you should do the military. And I was like, that is absolutely not happening. Like I'd rather go to school. Yeah, I would much <laughs> rather do homework and pay tuition <laughs> than go to college. So I ended up um, joining, long story short, and I scored so high on the on the ASVAB test, like the entrance exam, okay. that they thought that I cheated. Oh. So they made me take it again, and then I scored even higher. So, Bye. So, Don't um, underestimate Jay. Seriously. All those Fs, I did those on purpose. Mm -hmm. So long story short, I got in the military, and... Um, I was stationed when I was in tech school. You know, you're with your friends and they ask you where you want to go. Tech school is basically the military equivalent of college. Okay. But it's like. So a, you ended up in college. It's like an accelerated <laughs> college where okay. they teach you your job for a period of like three months. Okay. So I'm in tech school. They ask you where you want to go, like where you want to live. And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to go to New York. I'm trying to go to Hawaii. I'm trying mm -hmm. to go somewhere like sexy. And they're like, yeah, you're going to uh, Tucson, Arizona. And I was like, what the hell is Tucson? First, I knew I always, everybody knows I hate heat. Okay. I hate anything over like 70. I'm like, okay. yo, this is trash. This is a nightmare. So I'm like, Arizona. And then all my friends are like, oh, but Tucson is a party town. They have U of A. It's so dope. You're going to love it. Did it, yada, yada. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll be sweating, but at least I have the time of my life. They have air conditioning. Listen, Tucson, Arizona is the armpit of America. <laughs> I have never been so miserable in my life. And I was out there for four years. Okay. But so you, so that's where you get stationed. Yeah, that's where I was stationed. That's where you get stationed. And what are you doing for the military? In the military, I was what was called a 3CO, which is a computer network administrator. So you're doing computer Stuff. So I was the Geek Squad guy Got that it. was like okay. running like the servers okay. and doing all like the super smart stuff. And I had a TSSCI clearance, which is like, I think it's next to the highest you can have. So you and like Jared Kushner have the same clearance. Something like that. Yeah. So it was like up there. One of you at least is qualified for the clearance. Yes. Um. Anyways, continuing on. Where did you get stationed other places outside of Tucson? Did you get to travel at all in the military? I did. Um, you go? One day I was on my, I was waking up to go to work. Okay. And I get a phone call and they're That's like, nice. they're like, yo, don't bother coming in. And I'm like, okay. You know what I mean? Like I'm, <laughs> I'm with it, but I'm kind of curious and nosy. And they're like, yo, just turn the TV on. Oh, shit. So I'm like, okay, turn the TV on. I see smoking buildings. It was a night. It was a 9-11. Um, so within a week, I was I was gone. Like, and, and it was crazy. Where did you I, go? I'm so I mean, like, so, I'm on on the edge of my seat. You're like, oh my god, oh my this god, is amazing. This is such a good story. So, yeah, within a week of that happening, um, I was I was gone. Like, it was insane. Like, you get orders, and they're just like, you got so many days to you know get this, get your gear, get your gun, get this, get that, do that, bounce, peace, have a nice life. And my girlfriend at the time was, like, tripping out. I was tripping out because I was like, I joined to do computer work. I didn't join to go, you know, kill right. people. You know what I'm saying? Right. But um, that was my destiny. So uh, I was out in, to answer your question, Yeah. I was out in Saudi Arabia, um, Iraq, um, Kuwait, uh, 
I was a part of Operation Enduring Freedom. So that whole Southwest. So uh, also situation. very cold places. So the heat was lovely. Oh, no, it was very, very hot. <laughs> Especially in Saudi Arabia. Oh. I feel like they talk about how, like how cold it is in Iraq. Nah, and player. nah it was hot. It was hot. It oh was hot. my god! But I do remember in Kuwait, it was. Um, I remember looking up at the sky and it was just like pitch black. Like it looked like Armageddon. I guess from all like the burning oil and stuff oh, like that. No stars. I was just like, this is crazy. They were covered by smoke, is what you're saying. So yeah, it was. Wow. It was interesting. And did you have the same job, though, over there? You were running computer servers? I did. But the irony about that is th- there's a distinction between doing that in the comfort of sure. an office, air-conditioned right. building. And, you know, you would think because I was Air Force, like, oh, he's, you know, the, the that's all the smart guys, basically. The guys okay. that are like, you don't want them on the front lines because that's where the grunts are at. Got it. So, but my problem was that, like, I was supporting, like, Marines and Army and those guys so i was i was having to do what they were doing oh. while doing my job so you're on the ground so i was treated like they were treated so oh, it was shit. so i was like i did not sign up for you're this like i wanted to be <laughs> in the sky like kind of like far away you know what i'm saying wow so you literally were like i'm gonna join the army to like not go to college and then you're like i'm in the army and now we're at war air force or i'm Just. sorry armed forces air force armed forces um yeah. and how long were you in the air force um, I was in the Air Force for four years, and then when I was about to get out, they tried. They have this thing called, like, I think it's called stop loss, mm-hmm. where if your job is critically manned, or if they need you, you oh. they can make you stay in the military. So for I was how much about longer? to go, I don't, I, I don't remember the rules specifically. Holy, so you're like, I'm done, and then they're like, oh, sorry, we need you. They can do that, and I was. It was like the threat of it for a while, right oh. before I was about to get out. And I was like, oh, But they didn't do it. Nah, you thankfully got I got on in time, yeah. Okay, so you get out, then you go to college, don't you? Because no. how do you become a social worker? No, no, what happened was I got out and the military offered me like this ridiculous because my job was, you know, um, one, critically manned, two, very important. Right. And three, extremely lucrative as a civilian. Oh. So what they try to do is they try to retain you. So they offer like twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars tax free to get you to, you know, like a like, like your like bonus a type thing. Yeah, like a reenlistment bonus. And I was like, nah, I don't want it. I'm stressed out. I don't want nothing to do with this shit. I'm out. So I get out and then I have like the Pentagon reach out. I have Raytheon. I have General Dynamics. Oh I have God. all these like huge lucrative companies offering me to do the exact same thing that I was doing in the service, but instead of making like seven dollars an hour in the military they're offering me like 250 a year to start at because to do my job you got to remember too outside of my job i had that clearance right so that clearance on the outside costs like eighty thousand dollars oh so they're like even if you don't know the job if you have the clearance they're like we'll take you and we'll teach you the job yeah but you have both already so wow they were offering me jobs so did you do it or you were like no they were offering me jobs to start at 250 and i was so stressed out i was just like i'm not Fucking with this ever again. Bye. (laughs) Goodbye. No. Okay. So, okay. Here's the thing. I want to talk to you about your life so bad. I'm so interested. (laughs) But also, allegedly, this is a podcast about books. Oh. (laughs) Is it? Can you tell? We've talked about so many books so far. I don't know. Um, So, we're going to kind of fast forward. Yeah. How did you become... Also, if you want to bug Jay about his life, he's all over social media, and I'll put that in the show notes. You can like go harass him, and like it's fine. He doesn't care. Um, <laughs> quoth I. Um, how did you discover that you were a writer, or were you always a writer throughout these other parts of your life? And then you were like, I want to like. How did becoming leaning into your creative side happen? Um, I had always been really naturally. You know, there's people that have to like learn to be good at. Learn to be good at something, and yeah. others that are just, they have just a natural yeah, inclination. Yeah, of course. I always gravitated towards the art. So I was always great okay. at like drawing, writing, creating music, all that stuff. Like it just naturally came to me. Okay. And I always just wrote just, you know, my ideas. And I kind of used to play around on like uh, MySpace where a lot of us, you know, the very smart brothers, uh, my co host Alex, a lot of us fostered our, you know, our cultivated our talents sure. on MySpace, on the blogs and stuff like that. So I used to go in there and write. And just, you know, just really just kind of express myself. And um, 
once I got into the social work thing and I've been doing that for a while, I kind of realized like I started feeling that burnout settling in. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, yo, I do not want to be doing this anymore. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. I feel restricted. I feel restricted by um, the limitations of the government that there's things that you want to do, but you always have to worry about like budgetary constraints or like if it's legal or like. Nine to five, you can be there, but at six o'clock, like, don't have them kids calling right. you. You know what I'm right. saying? So it's just, yeah, I felt it was a lot of BS. So I got kind of burned out on that. And I thought, well, what is it that I really would like to do since I have this thing about changing careers entirely every four or five years? Got it. Evidently. Is this a rule or just something that you've been doing? I don't know. But we'll see. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. But, <laughs> but, um, so I decided to write. So, um, I had been, you know, dabbling in it professionally beforehand. But I took a, I went to a conference in Phoenix, like this big writing conference. It's at the, I think it's called the Piper's House, which is like, we're all like the journalists and professional poets and all that stuff go. And I went to there and I was really, um, I won some contest to go there for free because I think it's like $600 or something. And I was really just like enamored by that process. And I was like, yo, I think this is, you know, something that I want to do but I can't do this literature stuff. Like, it's too draining. Like, me being a writer, I'm so meticulous about mm-hmm. stuff. I was like, it's too draining. So I need to find a way to be that creative or something that's more expeditious. So I took okay. a screenwriting class Ooh. at Scottsdale Community College. And I was like, oh, my God. I can tell I can tell fic- fictitious, fictitious stories, and they're not so drawn out. You know what right. I mean? It's an entirely different format. And I was like, oh, this is dope. I'm in. So... I saved up uh, a bunch of money and made that move. To L.A.? To Koreatown. To Koreatown. You know that's everybody's rite of passage when you move to L.A. I didn't ever live there. <laughs> I never lived in Koreatown. Um, did you sorry, Did you do screenwriting? Yes. And, I mean, I still dabble in it. But um, my first, when I moved out here, um, it was just such a uphill battle for everybody. I right. mean, you know, writing... There's a million writers out here. There's a million actors. But I just came out here and thought, there's going to be people that work harder than I am. There's going to be people that are better writers than I am. But there's going to be nobody here that's going to work as hard as I am and write as good as I do. So I just started networking and going to every event. I was on the internet looking up, like, networking events and just crashing them. I was looking up at, like, you know, what the other writers and what they were being and just going. And through that, um, I was able to land... um, uh, in the uh, writer's room over at um, AMC cool. uh, for a show over there. So um, What show? Uh, Strange Angel, which is out now. Oh. So, yeah, it took like two years to come out. Wow. But, but that's the process. Okay. So, um, yeah, I definitely still dabble in it. I'm, I'm working on some stuff right now for other people. But what are you, like, what's, like, the stuff that you normally, your, your bread and butter for writing? Like, what are your, like, if, if I go and look you up and I go see your articles, are, yeah. are they articles? Are they short stories? Are they commentary, like op-eds? What What's the kind of stuff that you generally write? Oh, generally, I write a little bit of everything. Um, <laughs> no, nah, just to be honest, I mean, I do a lot of I do a lot of op-eds. I do a lot of feature writing for different publications. I write a lot of jokes for comedians. Okay. You're, so not, just, you're not supposed to know that, though. It's okay. <laughs> just don't tell us which comedians, Nobody's and then we'll be listening. okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I ghostwrite for comedians. I ghostwrite for other writers. Uh, I do a lot of editing. Um, I wrote for, have you played the, the game Black Card Revoked? No. I write for them. Okay. So, yeah, I just keep my hands in a lot Does of Does that mean things. my Black Card is revoked if I don't play the no. game? Okay. No. Kind of mm-hmm. feels like. No. You're good. Great. Whew, Until good. we play. And then and I lose. Fail, then your Black Card revoked. Okay. Cool. So I'm never going to play that game. Cool. I'll be safe. Uh, <laughs> so who are some writers that you love or that inspire you or that you look up to or that you want to write like or, you know, who are your favorite kind In of writers? general terms or authors? You could say general terms for now. I am a big fan of Tahanisi Coates. He does both. Um, I'm amazed that The Atlantic let him go. What's that about? I don't know, but all of, us are going? Ta- all of us are talking about it. Do we know where he's going? We have no idea. We should plug right now. Also, next week, we're talking about his book, Between the World and Me. Just are we? <laughs> Did you not read it? No. <laughs> I will by that time, uh, right? Oops. No, we are. And it's so good. And he is, I mean, uh, he's whew, so good. Okay, sorry. He's a man, yeah. Yeah, he is. I, well, 
he must have something that he's doing. No, he's doing a lot. He's just not writing for them. He's also writing comic books and stuff now. Too. Right, I know that. He's doing like the Black Panther thing. Yeah. But he was doing that with the Atlantic. So I'm just wondering what else? Like why he would leave them for if he not doesn't have like another Maybe they didn't they didn't cut the check. How could they not? I don't know. Th- I know he I know he ain't cheap. I know that much. Well, sure, but like <laughs> that's like you gotta have he's him. your LeBron. You yeah, find yeah, a way. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you end up with JaVale McGee also on the team, Word. like, but that's fine because you have LeBron. Because you have LeBron. Like, that's okay. Maybe they didn't put enough money in the salary cap. I, they didn't, you know, I don't know. they didn't budget it. Probably. I do love, do you know Van Newkirk who writes for them? Yes. He's really good. Yes. I think it's, I, if you wanted to know my favorite writer on the Atlantic, uh, <laughs> I just really like him. He's good. So hopefully he'll get a bump then. We'll see. But um, some other writers I like. Um, I'm a big fan of Kia Layman. I okay. think he's. Uh, I don't know him. He's super dope. Okay. Definitely look into him. I'm going to put all these people in the show notes, y'all, Please so do. that you can find them and check out their work. Yeah, the way he just deconstructs, like, blackness and, like, society is just like, man. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, my guy, Harry Ziad. Um, he's an amazing writer and editor. I've had the privilege of working with him, and he came on my show once. Oh. I mean, if we're talking about all mediums, I really like Donnie Cope, who's okay. a comic book writer. Okay. And Matthew Rosenberg. Um, yeah, there's, there's just so many amazing people in different spaces that I, I mean, Shane Black and screenwriting. There's just so many different uh, platforms and forums that cool. people manifest in. So I love that. Okay, let's talk a little bit about your podcast, and then we'll move on to books. I swear people were talking about books today, maybe. Um, <laughs> I'm not committed to books anymore. I've yeah. moved on. Um, so you have a podcast. It's I called do. The Extraordinary Negroes. I do. Kind of tell us like a little – I mean, tell us about the show. Like the elevator pitch? I mean, I don't really want the elevator pitch, but I do want you to explain it to people who have never listened. Okay, if you, well. you don't have to do it fully like, this is a show for you – know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. could do it more – comfortable no um it's just a show in which myself and my co-host uh we kind of who's your co-host my co-host alex hardy thank you who um he and i kind of go in and we deconstruct uh current events okay uh a little bit of pop culture and um just kind of relevant issues within our community um but from our perspective we kind of give people the candy with the medicine which is why we infuse humor so we talk about stuff like toxic masculinity fatherhood financial literacy, just really um, meaty, you know, substance, uh, topics of substance. But we try to, like I said, we try to give it kind of like a barbershop appeal where Mm -hmm. people can feel kind of relaxed because if we tell you how to buy a car, you're going to kind of check out. But if we're cracking jokes and it's like with your folks, that, you know, that information is going to resonate with you. It's not intimidating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's much more casual. Yeah. And you guys also definitely talk about pop culture a ton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You guys do like an insecure recap we did and you guys talk about other people making horrible mistakes in their lives yeah. and that's <laughs> but that's part of the um the appeal of giving people the candy with the medicine because i i went into it looking at it like people are used to a show like the read where people just go in there and they just talk shit about right. pop culture right that's not really my thing okay however if i know that that's something that appeals to you mm-hmm. and i do it my way sure then I can give you the both. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So that's why we talk about it for a little bit, but then we talk about the real stuff. Right. So I kind of wanted to fashion it like like a morning show, like Got a radio it. morning show. Right, 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 right. It's really good. It's funny. Thank you. I think it's funny. I laugh out loud sometimes. If you were going to suggest like maybe two episodes, like maybe your favorite episode, you guys have been doing it for some years now. Yeah, we just did two years. So maybe like a favorite episode and maybe like a quintessential episode. Like this is the most extraordinary Negroes episode and then the one that's like jay loves this one for people who are new to your show who might want to check it out i think one that i really like Mm -hmm. is the thanksgiving um dinner draft okay i don't know if you heard that one i have not heard that one what we did is you know you're familiar with the the concept of fantasy football Uh, i am I stopped so, playing, though, because Colin Kaepernick's my hero, yeah, so I'm yeah. done with all of that. I'm done with that. But what we do, or what we did, is we took um, Thanksgiving dinner, okay, and we drafted. The food? We drafted Or the, the family food. members? <laughs> no. We dra- <laughs> the family members are good to go. Okay, they That's have to communal. come. They That's have to communal. come no matter what. But we um, sat there, and we drafted the, the food, food. Oh. and it was myself, 
uh, my homeboy Law, who is an amazing writer himself, okay. and uh, Alex. And okay. it got a lot of rave reviews, and people were cracking jokes and kind of judging our individual okay. drafts and stuff. So um, oh I definitely God, that's think that's a great episode. And that's that would be like a quintessential or one of your faves? I would say it's a fave. Okay, and then what's like a, you know, the most extraordinarily Negro, extraordinary Negroes episode? I think... A recent Extraordinary okay. Negroes episode was our Mother's Day tribute, Okay, where we had the luxury of interviewing um, our parents. We brought our mothers on. And you interviewed each other's mom. Yeah, we interviewed each other's mom to kind of talk about their experience as mothers and raising us and stuff. So it was really dope. It got all kinds of wonderful reviews and feedback. That's and so sweet. I think that that was because a lot of, honestly a lot of times that stuff can be really lame yeah you know what I mean be. like it can be trash that's but. what my husband says about this he's like I'm never coming on your podcast because nobody wants to hear from me I was like <laughs> it's true we all read we both read the same exact book so I'm you're useless say, I know <laughs> I, I've met the guy and you know I think it'd be pretty lame no nah, but um <laughs> but yeah I think that that was a really good episode and it really resonated with people okay I'm gonna link to those episodes but obviously just the podcast in general but I, I'm excited to listen to them too I've actually not listened to those too yeah. I didn't listen to the Mother's Day one because you told me it was really emotional and I just haven't felt comfortable. I'm not ready. It's like this is us. Like you oh, have okay. to be emotional. Yeah, you prepared. have to like – this is, that show kind of fell off for me. Um, okay, <gasps> I'm sorry. I. <sighs> we'll talk about this later. We can talk about this offline. Um, what about some podcasts that you like that aren't yours and aren't the stacks? I really like Ear Hustle. Okay. I, I think that, that concept is really dope. Mm-hmm. I really like what um, my homegirls uh, – over at Tea with Queen and Jay are doing okay. um, as far as creating a space in which it's unapologetically black, but not only just unapologetically black, but unapologetically black for black women. Love that. Um, and just really just being raw and honest and, and, and really just um, speaking truth. I really like uh, Therapy for Black Girls. I think that's an amazing platform too. Um, podcast too. She's been on our show as well. Uh, I'm trying to think what else do I? There's just Oh, Music Snobs. That's probably my favorite, all-time favorite podcast. Okay. I love it, but they do like one episode a year. Oh. Which is terrible. <laughs> Just not great if you want to yeah, binge listen, yeah. unless they've been around for like 30 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's just, it's just, there's a lot of great content out there right now. I, I, I love podcasts. I've been a podcast listener for years. I've heard. I, I do. I really love pod. Like I, I'm like a no. true lover of the medium. I'm not just someone who has a podcast, but I like listen to a bazillion podcasts and I love them. And I'm so glad that people listen to them. Yeah. So I think it's a really cool way to discuss something in detail that is niche. You know. You know a podcast I would think you would love and I would recommend to you. Which one? There's this guy named Tony Corsizer, right? <laughs> Oh, you just mean my favorite podcast that I've been <laughs> listening to for eight years straight, five days a week. I'm a loyal no I am. It's a Tony Kornheiser show. Honestly, anybody who listens to this show probably will hate it, but that's fine. I love it. And that's all that matters. Anyways. Okay. We're going to move on to books. It's finally time for books. We're only 30 minutes in, oh, and so okay. it's a great time to move on to books. Okay. Um, Jay, yes. what are, what's two books you love and one book you hate? Two books I love. Um. I have to start with anything James Baldwin, first okay. and foremost. Okay. But specifically, uh, The Fire Next Time. So good. Classic. Und- undeniable classic. Classic. Um, the other book that I love is A People's History of the United States. Howard Zinn. By Howard Zinn. So good. Just to see that um, the perspective of of America's ascension through the eyes of the have-nots. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, it's just right. powerful. Powerful. Such an amazing book. Um, there's actually like a series of books, the people's histories of, that is like part of, I don't know who did it. I think it's like the Howard Zinn Foundation, but it's other authors who are experts in like smaller marginalized fields. Oh, wow. Or smaller, hist- like um, Dave Zirin is this amazing sports writer and he writes the people's history of sports and he talks about like athletes, like uprising and protests and all this, but it's under that same scope of like looking at marginalized people's view of things so it's like muhammad ali it's you know um tommy jones and carlos ah talking about the the, yes the black panthers back power salute i can't remember his last name oh my god this is dr carlos uh, carlos oh my god this is like the biggest brain burp because i love him so much and he's like still around and he's so great tommy smith and oh my god i have to look it up i have to look it up right now um (laughs) Okay, talk about the book you hate. I'm going to scream it into the microphone as soon as I figure it out. The book I hate, which I think, I feel like this is like a universally. uh, um, 
I'm sorry, I've got it. Tommy Smith and John Carlos. John Carlos. Motherfucker. Yeah. I'm yeah. so sorry. I feel so dumb because I love them. Have you met him? Dr. No. John Carlos is so cool. He he works at San, San Jose State, I think. He's so One cool. One of them does. I'm from the Bay. Anyways. He's amazing. Dave Zirin, this writer, he also wrote this book called Welcome to the Terror Dome, and it's all about sports. Yeah. And I love it so much, and he like, he's just, it's a really good non, he's a really good nonfiction writer. He actually has a book on John Carlos's life. They're like pals, and he has a book on, um, he has a lot of books, and he's really great at book about soccer. I love him, Dave Zirin. He also sometimes writes for like different publications, mostly mostly The Nation. Okay. And he's often like the talking head on like CNN when it's like Colin Kaepernick does something or like FIFA does something. They're like, oh, Dave Zirin. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Anyways, okay, sorry. <laughs> One book you hate. One book I hate. Um, there was a book I read a long time ago and I thought it was trash when I read it and I still think it's trash. And it's probably one of the few books I remember thinking it was trash. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Okay, you're the second person to put that <laughs> as the book you hate on this show. I hate that damn book. Why do you hate it? I just felt like it was just manufactured, just trash. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. felt like something like, felt like a meme, like a like a book equivalent of a meme. You know how you see that like fast food uh, advice column yeah. type shit like that's how i remember it, it, it being like i know this is exactly ross said the same thing that was his uh, book yeah i can't get with that book <laughs> okay what's the last great book you read the last great book i read was every little step my story by bobby brown <gasps> his memoir did you ever read that i did not read it but oh. people love it it's so good with the cocaine chicken i didn't, I didn't read <laughs> it is it so good it's so great because we see he has this you know this extravagant and you know fantastical life that we've always bear mm -hmm, witness to mm -hmm. but to know like there's other levels to it to what makes it even more crazy like it's just it's a trip oh my gosh did you see the new whitney documentary i wanted to but it. it was too far for me oh. to feel like driving i saw it was it good he's in it was it good i liked it i mean i but, really liked it i cried yeah. i mean i didn't cry but i felt like crying <laughs> Which is something that I do a lot. Like when I say that I cry when I read a book, I don't ever actually cry except for once. I usually just feel like crying and I'm like, acknowledge feeling like crying. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, but there's some really great footage of her singing yeah. and like some great footage of her behind the scenes. And then some of it is kind of like, it's interesting that you're drawing these conclusions. Like mm. they put things together towards the end of the movie that make it sound like this thing caused this mm. thing, but it's not necessarily clear that this thing caused this thing. And obviously she's not there to defend or clarify. Yeah. And so some of that makes me feel weird. Kind of jump at the conclusion. It just feels, it's hard to know who to trust. Cause I know a lot of the people like in the family and like people on the side of the family Pro helped produce the movie mm. so then you start to be like well who you know ulterior motives exactly but I bobby's to, in it i wanted to see it but all the theaters i saw that it was at was on the west side because it's like oh. a limited theater run it's at ArcLight in hollywood or that's where i saw it oh that's not too far no you're close right now um okay what are you currently reading currently chipping away at a conspiracy of stars by olivia a cole one of my dearest friends all right what's it about um, it is about a young lady who's kind of having this, like, it's the sci-fi adventure. Okay. And one of the things that I really appreciate and love about it is the fact that it's heavily diverse. Mm. And Olivia, who is a white woman, Ooh. one of my few white friends, actually, she um, she is so committed to, like, diversity mm. um, and, you know, proper representation mm -hmm. through this medium. And I think that there might be people that find that kind of, like, questionable to have, like, why is right. this lady always? But, like, she genuinely has, like, the best intentions. And That's she's right. an amazing writer, and she's been doing this for a while, and she's one of my dearest friends. Okay. And I nag her, like, almost every day. Great. So shout out to Olivia. Shout out to Olivia. I love yeah. her already. Yeah. Um, how do you pick your next book? Like, do you use reviews, or do you get word of mouth or are you just on the blogs primarily how i choose my next book is when people email me and ask me to read their book for the show oh i'm not gonna lie like generally you know okay. as you are well aware mm -hmm. you'll have pr firms reach out and be like hey we got this new thing da, da, da. we'd right. love you to check it out sometimes it sounds interesting sometimes it doesn't i usually try to read the ones that sound interesting but outside of that Generally, friends' suggestions or okay. if I see something on social media where people are, like, buzzing about it. So, okay. Those are the ways. Do you ever feel like you're reading books that someone sends you? Like, do you always finish this book, those books? Or are you sometimes like, I don't like this. I got to go. 
If it's whack, I can't. Okay. Can't do it. Yeah. I, I mean, I. Which that's what strange. happens when books get sent to you. Like, I, for me, I feel like if I really like a book or I'm interested in a book, I'll read it. But if something gets sent to me, it's a lot harder for me to power through because I'm like, I don't even really want to be reading this. And then sometimes I, someone sends me a book and I read it. And I'm like, this is so great. Like, yeah. send me everything they've ever written. But it's easier to put down a book that someone else asked you to read than it is a book that I feel like I pick up on my own. Yeah. No, I agree. But also a lot of ones that people um, send to us tend to kind of have like a similar theme. Blackness. Blackness or like, <laughs> you know, struggle or social injustice. So I'm, sure. I'm always intrigued by that okay. kind of stuff. And especially like one, the most recent book, I think you said you got sent to you. Uh, it's basically. All the a, women in my family sing. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, that one sounds amazing. And I've been working my way through that. Too. Yeah, I got to get I got to do it. I haven't done it. I It's. I have a hard time when it's essays because I'm like, oh, I'll just read one at a time. Yeah. But I don't like to read like that. Yeah. So then I start to I read one and then I'm like, oh, so I have to just sit down and just read it cover to cover. Yeah. I like to read things like that. So if they're listening, I'm going to get to it. Shout out. <laughs> we both are. We both are. Um, what's on your nightstand? Um, what is on my nightstand currently is uh, Francesca Ramsey's Well, That Escalated Quickly. Oh, people love that. People love I've that. I've actually heard people love that and do not like that. I've heard it's very polarizing. I can believe that. See, for I me, think people either relate or they don't. Yeah, because like for me, that's one of the books that got sent to us. Mm-hmm. You know, her people reached out and were like, "Hey, we got this book," mm-hmm. and it sounded interesting. And as somebody who who I would never particularly call myself like a fan of hers, mm-hmm. not like on some hate, but I just don't really know yeah, her like that. Totally. So it gave me an opportunity to kind of like figure out who she was and kind of understand her story. And it's pretty. I I feel like it's a good book. Okay, cool. I but love to hear that. I can see how you can see polarizing. how it would be polarizing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, I can't date Jesus. Oh, uh, I said Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> I could date Jesus. I, I love would Jesus say, and Mero. I both would of say, them. <laughs> I would say Michael's last name, but I I I don't want to butcher it. I think it's Arsenal. Oh, I thought it was Arsenal. It might be. I think it is Arsenal. That's what I was saying. It's I, a New York Times bestseller already. It is. It I, is. Which is exciting. We were just talking about this like two days ago. Yeah, I so, think that's when the list came out. I feel like I saw it everywhere. Yeah, so, I'm excited to read that book. Or so. I know he talks him. a lot about Beyonce in it, so I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's a book that you love to recommend to people? Um, generally, anything from James Baldwin. Yeah. I really like to uh, recommend to people, Black, White, or Indifferent, um, just because I have such a tremendous appreciation and respect for how he analyzes and deconstructs mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. and in being unapologetically un- unapologetic in doing that. But it's far as a contemporary alternative to that, I love to recommend people read um, Between the World and Me. So good. Yeah. So good. Well, there's, I mean, I think a lot of people compare them often. Yeah, yeah. A lot. Um, do you know the author, Jessamyn Ward? She wrote the book Sing Unburied Sing, and then she wrote the book we did on our fourth episode called Men We Reach. It's her memoir. Mm. She's a Southern, um, she's from Mississippi, She's a Southern woman, black woman, and she, I think, she also writes a lot of, you know, op-eds or features or whatever. Yeah. I think that she is in that same vein. Yeah. But because she writes a lot of fiction, which, I mean, James Baldwin's in as well. Yeah. I think that people don't think of her as, like, a social political critic of yeah. black American experience, but I think she is. She's a, a beautiful writer. Um, I'm going to get you, Men We Reaped. It's I mean, really good. People make the same argument about Toni Morrison, too, though. Yeah. So. Yeah, people do. It's it's interesting that women often aren't considered, like black women aren't considered in that same breath with the two of them. But mm-hmm. I feel like there are women who do that. And for me, Jasmine Ward is in that same, where she's critiquing and dissecting what it means to be black in America, which is what I think that they both do yeah. so well. Um, anyways, I'm going to get you Men We Reaped. I think you'll really like it. Okay. Um, Oh, have you read if Beale if what is it if Beale Street could talk whatever no. it's coming out it's coming I, out as a movie I gotta read that before it comes out I just got it I gotta read it too um, shout out to Diverse Book Club they're on Instagram and they're doing that for their August book so oh, dope, super dope. excited um, let's see what's a book that someone a good book that someone's recommended to you a good book that somebody recommended to me long ago and far away was <laughs> the writer got screwed. I don't remember the name of the author. That's fine. I'll find it. But the premise of the book is it basically offers like sample contracts 
and gives you information on like entertainment law and entertainment lawyers and things oh. of that nature so that you don't get screwed over Got as it. a writer <laughs> within the entertainment industry. So as somebody who had moved out there in 2014 and Useful. had knew nothing about nothing, I was like, oh, my God, this I is like this. the Bible. This you is what, what I saying? need. What's a good book you received as a gift? Um, oh, uh, ta uh, Nisi Coates. Okay. That was probably the best book that I've received as a gift. Uh, someone gave that to you. Yeah, somebody That's gave nice. that to me. That's a good one. Um, do you set any reading goals for yourself? I try to. You do? I don't really have the time that I had in the past. When I think about my time in Phoenix, I had all the disposable time <laughs> in the world. And you didn't and, use it. And then you move to L.A. and it's like you don't have 24 hours anymore in yeah. a day. You have like five. Right. So I try to read at least a book a month. Okay. But now that I've um, – oh, yeah. Well, I guess I can tell the audience because we were talking about this earlier. I've recently, as of like today, uh, came across the – audiobook phenomenon yeah. so now i can read like eight you know what i'm saying it's really helpful taking care of your health isn't always easy but it should be at least simple that's why for the last three plus years i have been drinking ag1 every day no exceptions it's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way that's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook, with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Are there things that you wish were different about your reading life besides reading more? Definitely wish I could read more. I definitely wish that I was more adventurous okay. in the type of books that I chose. Yeah. I think a lot of times people get in their comfort zones yeah, and they just kind of feel like, okay, well, let me stick to these genres or these right. authors right. and not really venture outside of that. And if you're not reading a ton, you don't want to waste your time reading something that you're not sure you're going to like. I think that's, I, that's what happens with me. It's like, oh, am I going to like this romance? Like, I don't know. I know I'm going to like this nonfiction book. Yeah. Like I know this book that is what I'm interested. In, I'm going to like versus it's going to take me twice as long to read. But you know, I think that also can be part of it. It's a lot like when you go to a restaurant. Sure. You think about like, oh man, I go, I can go to, you know, wherever, get me some crab legs. Right. But then I might think about going to this other spot. And if it's trash, then I could have had my crab legs. Okay. And I'm not even satisfied. And yeah. I totally. It's same the same thing. thing. It's like yeah. prioritizing your time. Real. Um, 
are there any genres in specific, like in particular that you love or don't so much? I love memoirs. Mm. I love collections of essays. Okay. I love self-help books a lot. Mm. And I really, really, really love uh, biographies and autobiographies. Okay. I love those. I love to kind of learn how people became who they are. So you're a nonfiction person. Definitely. Me too. Do not fuck with fiction at all. Fiction's very hard for me. I'm trying. It's hard. Yeah. I like nonfiction. I love nonfiction. I cannot do fiction. Yeah, it's harder for me. I have to, but it's harder. Um, how do you read? I mean, we just heard that you do now listen to audiobooks. Yes. But how do you normally read? On an e-reader or an actual book? I tried to join the e-reader revolution, but mm-hmm. it just seemed weird to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm an old school, old school bookhead. I tried to start a movement called Books Bitch, but I don't know. It didn't really work. Books Bitch? <laughs> yeah, my sister-in-law was going to help me design a graphic to okay. be really cool but we never did it because it kind of didn't make sense because it was more just like i don't have an e-reader like this was like 10 years ago or like eight years ago i was like yeah. i don't have a reader i read books bitch but it didn't really <laughs> <laughs> if i would have known about it i would have been reading books bitch yeah, too. You know i feel like I'm it's just funny but it kind of just like i don't know That's it didn't funny. really have a mission it just was like something to say to people it sounds cool yeah it was just like our thing it's a flag anyways it didn't work but here we are now at the stacks. Maybe we could have a pin that says the stacks. Books, bitch. bitch. <laughs> stacks, bitch. Yeah, that's going to be our new tagline. Um, where where do you, like, when you're reading, what's your ideal setup? Location, time of day? Do you have some food or drink? Or, like, what's your, like, Jay's perfect reading? I'm not a, I'm not a late night reader. Okay, because you fall asleep. Because I would fall asleep. Yep. Mm-hmm. It has to be, like, the middle of the day. Okay. It has to be quiet. No music. I can listen to music, but it can't have words. Okay. And the music has to be like jazz or okay. something that's kind of like ambient. Okay. Something mellow. Um, th- th- that's really the only way that I can. But is it like, are you at home? Are you outside? Are you at the beach? Are you at the pool? Are you on an airplane? I can only read it at the house. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can't be out somewhere because then I'm going to want to do what. I, like, if I'm at mm. the beach, I'm going to want to enjoy the beach. Oh, see, that's how I enjoy the beach. See, I, no. I'm only I'm only a beach reader. I'm reading bikinis when I'm at okay. the beach. All right, let's not get in trouble here. Um, <laughs> what's a book? What's a book where you feel like you've learned a lot? A book that I felt like I learned a lot was The Anatomy of Story by John Truby, which is that. a book about writing, okay. about how to create a story, what makes a story, you know, what it is the different elements of it, like how to really just be a dope-ass writer. So that was definitely a book that I learned a lot. But a series that I learned a lot, and I hope that people are listening, there's a series of books called How Done It. Because a lot of times people wonder, like, how do writers know how to do, like, hmm. write for, like, ER or how to write for, like, mm-hmm. this. So this this book series, How Done It, like, they break down, like, police procedures and, like, medical oh. jargon and, like, like poisons and like what it looks like when you kill somebody and the different th- the different terminology. But so is this just good for writers or is just this for good? writers? Okay, so you're just for okay. So if you're not a writer, ignore him. It's completely useless, <laughs> but it makes you sound like you know what you're talking about whenever you're writing. Who done it? Who done it? That's so actually I think it's how done it. How done? How done I'll, it. I'll add it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, that's so cool. So it gives you basically like you're because you're obviously not an expert on brain surgery if you're a television writer. Yeah. At least not yet. Nope. But when you get how done it or who done it, you you sound like you know what the hell you're doing. Wow, because a lot amazing. of because a lot of times when you're on a network, you can afford a consultant. Sure. If you're writing a spec, or uh, you can't aff- afford a, a consultant. You got to sound like you know what the hell you're talking about. Got it. That's just, and so each book is like a different. Yeah. Got it. Topic. Um. Okay. We're switching it up totally. We're taking it all the way back to your to your Tulsa and or Bronx days. Yes. What's a favorite book from your childhood? I don't have a specific one. I have a series. Go ahead. Do you remember the Choose Your Own Adventure series? No. You don't? Nope. <laughs> those were the. You were so hoping I was going to be like, yeah. Those I love were it. the greatest books ever. No. What you did was you got the book and then you'd read it and then it would like have like a, a cliffhanger uh-huh. and it'd be like, okay, to like you'd be like, you're walking down the street. All of a sudden, a man walks up and he points a gun at your face. Cool. What do you do? If Close you, the book. Go to bed. But it's like. <laughs> If you fight them off, you go to page five. If you uh, run, you go to page seven. Cool. So you pick your adventure, and then just at each different page, it spirals off into other things. That's cool. Those books were the shit. And there was a bunch of different ones. Yeah, there was all kind. There was a whole oh, series of them. Wow, they were amazing. Cool. There's an adult book that's like that. I don't know what it's called. Ross was telling me about it on his episode. Oh, really? Where it's like 
five different versions of like the same story and you can read it like different ways like it like sounds, you move I'll, I'll try to find the name of it i'll send yeah. it to you but i'll also put it in the show notes that sounds like the same thing um what's a book if you were a teacher that you would assign in high school to your students a book i would assign i don't remember the author but it would be lies my teacher told me oh yeah <laughs> I, have, I haven't read that yet it came out recently no 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 that's been out for a while then maybe there's a new ver- like a new edition or something there might be yeah, yeah i feel like i've seen it a lot recently maybe they just like paperbacked it or something because i think one of the biggest i can't think of the word because my brain is fried but one of the biggest challenges that teenagers face is that they're not told to be inquisitive right or like to yeah push back yeah you're not supposed to challenge authority or tradition Mm -hmm. ever Mm -hmm. and i'm a big proponent of that because it's okay to ask every just because something is presented to you you shouldn't take it at face value right and that's the same thing that you know i definitely want to as my son gets older that i want to you know um tell him to do right like ask questions whether it comes from me or anybody else like if you don't believe it and it doesn't feel right in your system, in your soul, ask questions, totally. challenge, cha- you know, challenge the, stat- the status quo. Well, I have two things. So one thing is that that's something that Ashley and I were talking about last week about like curriculum in school yeah. is that when your teacher tells you like, these are the books we're reading automatically as a student, you think, oh, this book is important or meaningful or a classic, or this book is elevated in some way. Yeah because it's been chosen by my teacher who is elevated in my eyes. And that's how it ends up that like something like the great Gatsby becomes this all important book because you're like told it's a great book, but no one is like, Oh, you should read Giovanni's room. Right. Like it's like kids aren't, kids aren't being told like, this is the book we're reading. And this is just one of 30 books that deal with this topic. And like, you know, it's like, there's no outlet for kids to understand that like your teacher is a flawed human and they're picking these books because of their tastes and their experiences or even the curriculum is flawed right and the all of it just yeah. like this I, like I, we were talking about like joy luck club like that's like the asian book everyone read when i was in high school it was like yeah. joy luck club but it's like there are other books by other people who are other forms of asian besides just chinese right like why weren't we reading books about about and by Indian authors, right? Like yeah. those people are also Asian, but like we have this, our teachers in California have this idea that Asian is like, you know, China or Japan. And it's like, they're not talking about like, you know, Thai people or wherever, like Bali or any sort of author, Korean. It just, it's just really interesting. And I feel like that kind of goes along with what you're saying is like, we're not told to question. At all. So we end up with like an agreed upon set of good and bad books or authors or whatever and i hate that and that informs your worldview right. and your ideology right and in turn you feel like these in, you know we, we're indoctrinated basically sure. you know what i'm saying and like authors like someone like james baldwin i didn't even read him for the first time until i was like 30 uh, yeah and it's because i didn't realize that he was a classic author like yeah. I, no one had told me that this person was a class like this these were classics and they don't want you reading that in school sure you know what i mean right sure and yeah. it's like oh you can read you can read certain things but you can't read other things even though i could really illustrate this point better if yeah. you just read like you yeah. know whatever i mean i think it basically comes down to you know if parents aren't doing it themselves that they're not you know right heavily literate as far as books go the only time you really come into that is in college right that's when you you know things kind of brighten up and widen up and but even then it's hard because you have so much work and yeah. it's hard to add another book when you have to read a textbook and do that like i didn't yeah. really start reading to learn until I was out of college. Yeah, yeah. And by learn, I mean learn about, like, who I am in the world world and all that kind of stuff. But the other thing, this is more on a silly note about it. Um, Have you ever heard the phrase Wagner? No. Okay, so this is what teachers do a lot, I've discovered. Not all teachers, but some teachers, and also just humans in general. A Wagner is a wild-ass guess not easily refuted. Wow, I've never heard that one before. Yeah, a friend of a friend of my like my, my dear friend brother Matt told us this story. Um, he was like in a marketing or something class, and his teacher was telling them about a Wagner, and it's a wild ass guess, not easily refuted. But I feel like that happens a lot in school. Like a kid will ask a question, and the teacher is like, "Yeah, it definitely, it's dogs," and it's like, "Okay, well, oh, 
Like, I, All right. I don't know to question that. Yeah, and that yeah. happens a lot also in school. Um, but <laughs> so a lot of times when people like my brother will say something, I'll be like, that's a definite Wagner, my guy. Nice try. Yeah. Um, but I bet that book is full of Wagners. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. What about a favorite book character or a least favorite character from a book? I have a least and I have a memorable, but okay. I wouldn't necessarily say favorite. Um, when I think of memorable characters, a character that's always haunted me and just when I first learned of her, like it just really resonated with me, uh, was Cola from The Bluest Eye. I've never read it. What? See, these are the books that I wish that I read in school that now I'm having to read now. You have to read that. But, I know. People just, love it. But just the way she navigated and, you know, processed through dealing with, like, insecurities around, like, colorism and racism and how she equated white features to, like, superiority. Mm-hmm. It just really just touched me because it's just like that's there's so much internalized racism mm-hmm. that we don't really come to accept and acknowledge because – you know, through school, through the books we read, through all these things, we're, we're constantly told what's right mm-hmm. and we're othered in the process and we don't really realize it's wrong until, like, we see what's right with right. something that we identify with. And we're like, wait a minute, why is, you know what I'm saying? And right. her story always resonated with me. And as far as my least favorite would be Charlie Breedlove from the book, who was the person who was terrorizing her throughout oh, the book. Okay. So um, definitely please read that. I, I want to. I've... I'm going to have to buy that for you. I know. I used to own it. I'm, I think it's in Oakland somewhere, my uh, mom's house. Um, I don't. It's not there. here. Yeah. Um, do you have favorite authors? Favorite authors? Definitely James Baldwin. Right. Definitely Tahanisi Coates. Definitely Kiyose. A lot of screenwriting stuff, like you know, Robert, uh, Robert McKee. I think I named one of them earlier, John Truby. Just you know, uh, writing related stuff. Just mm-hmm. really process and like learning and things but not tony morrison even though you've brought her up a few times i think she's great but i've only i think i've only read like two of her books okay i mean i know she's tony sure 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 yeah you know what i'm saying yeah (laughs) i don't i've not read i don't think i've ever read any of her stuff really i know why it's not or how i just don't think i've gotten there like i just i read my first octavia butler this year like Uh, i'm just getting there i'm just working through it's also it's fiction that's the other thing it's harder for me i'm the same way with music like, as far as just digging in the past yeah. and bothering with what's out now. Yeah. I, it's just, it also just takes, like, it takes time to read a book. And it's like, you have to make, you know, it's I'm trying to make the time to read the books, but, you know, one at a time. <laughs> so it's a, it's a commitment. Yeah, it's a commitment. But I, I mean, I, I think I'm going to start with Beloved for Tony, Tony Morrison. I still mm. have to read Zora Neale Hurston. I've read Barracoon that just came out this year, but I haven't read, like, Their Eyes Are Watching God. I just have a lot of work to do. I'm a work in progna- you read, progress. Uh, do you read any Roxanne Gay? I've never read Roxanne Gay, but I'm going to listen to Hunger on Audible. You should definitely check her out. I'm too. going to. I love her reviews and her, like, I've read her articles. I've just never, yeah. and I've read her tweets. She's amazing. Shout out, Roxanne Gay. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to wrap it up soon. we got a, just a few more questions. Okay. Favorite book that's been turned into a movie or a TV show or something that you've ever seen that was better than the book? I don't read a lot of fiction. Okay. Um, so I think for me, a good example of something that was transformed, transformed into a, a, a film, although it was a documentary, I would say I'm not your Negro. By so James good. Baldwin. I was going to ask you earlier if you read it. Loved it. Because it felt like if you're familiar with Baldwin's work, it felt like a one on one, which sure. is fine because a lot of people aren't. So it was like a good introduction into who he was. Right. And how important he was and kind of the circles he was a part of, the right. social circles he moved in. So I thought I thought I loved I Am Your I Negro. I thought it was amazing. I loved it. It's too bad it came out in a year with so many good documentaries because it was up against the 13th, 13th and the yeah. OJ. Yeah. It was oh, like it was all three of those could have won yeah. best documentary in any other any year. Other year yeah. Like and they were all great for what they did and they all did it different and uh, so good. That's another good book. Uh, Michelle Ale- yes. Michelle Alexander, yes. the new Jim Crow. The new Jim Crow, Ooh. a great book, a great book. Um, about coming on our show she's tough to get in i'm sure she's, she's like a genius <laughs> she's busy no she she was like i'd love to do it but schedule schedule yeah. schedule and she, i've tried like three times well get her on i'm gonna make it happen make it happen we <laughs> want to hear from her love her um what's a book that you've read that you would like to see turned into a movie i would like to see my friend olivia a cole's book series 
um, mm-hmm. the the, the quote-unquote Tasha trilogy Got it. on the screen. I actually gave it to AMC development executives in hopes that it would come into fruition. So my fingers, fingers are, crossed. Fingers are crossed. Let's do it. We yeah. like her because she's the white lady who loves diversity in a real way. We love white woke, woke folks. We, woke we do. white folks. Some of us are married to them. <laughs> um, okay, here it is. My fave. If you could require the president, current president of the United States to read one book, what would it be? My pick for the book that I would have 45 mm-hmm. read would be The Invention of the White Race mm. by Theodore W. Allen. That way he could have a better perspective of how privilege works mm-hmm. and how it also creates consequences for other marginalized groups. Sure which is something that he basically lives every day of his life. Right. It's his existence. All right. Do you have anything else you want to say to the people about you, books, writing, podcasting, life? I would just say that um, just keep reading, folks. You know, if you got time to, to hit these books, definitely make it happen. I know a lot of people, you know, they're out here doing it, moving, and they're in the cars, you know, get you an audio book or whatever, but definitely... Appreciate you inviting me onto the show and I'm being so a part of this. I'm so excited to hear. This was so fun. <laughs> this is so fun. So next week, Jay and I are going to talk about Ta-Nehisi Coates' book, Between the World and Me. Hey! If you haven't read it yet, it's only 150 pages, so you could probably read it in a few days if you made some time. A week is definitely time if you can make it. If not, you can listen to it on Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash the stacks, and he narrates it, Yeah, which you guys know is my favorite kind of audiobook. Um, so check that book out. We'll be back next week to talk about it. Everything we talked about today will be in the show notes. Jay's, all of Jay's social and all that will also be in the show notes. And I will link to some episodes of his podcast as well. So everything you need is there for you. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see y'all in the stacks. That does it for us this week on The Stacks. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Jay Connor for being our guest this week. Jay will be back next week to discuss Ta-Nehisi Coates' book, Between the World and Me. Don't forget, we are still doing our Patreon giveaway. It goes until August 16th. Go to patreon.com slash the stacks, contribute whatever you can, and be entered to win one of three The Stacks totes. We're grateful for anything you can contribute and appreciate all the help and support from our listeners. Please make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Our theme music comes from Tagiragis. Robin McCrite is our graphic designer. And this show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. <laughs>